up, everybody? HMX Pope here with Episode 8 of the Harmonics Community Podcast. This week on the show, we've got another installment of our So You Want to Be a Game Developer series with Harmonics artist Matt Gilpin. We've also got another segment from the Giggles, where they talk about their New Year's resolutions, including getting their band together. Thrasher interviews Keith Smith, frontman of the band Anarchy Club. We're going to do our weekly DLC roundtable where we talk about next week's DLC. And I'm going to give you a sneak preview of my interview with the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Enjoy. Matt Gilpin. I'm a lead character artist at Harmonix. I started out at uh, Looking Glass Studios. Let's talk about some of um, some of the work you've done in the industry and some of the places you've worked, and then a little bit about your work here at Harmonix. Um, so yeah, I started out at Looking Glass in like '98, and I had I was I, my first j- job was actually a flight simulator. Like they did this. Um, it's like flying over Seattle, and it wasn't the most exciting <laughs> job, <laughs> but uh, just being in the game industry was pretty awesome. And and I actually didn't when I went left school, I didn't actually realize like probably what we're talking about here is like how to actually get a job. It was sort of uh, a job in the game industry was sort of this. Uh, I didn't even because 3D was in its kind of infancy in video games then. Uh, it was sort of this kind of new field, so. I kind of, in a way, lucked out that I got involved with uh, 3D modeling in college. So that is basically what kind of really got me the job at uh, Looking Glass. Uh, so I worked at Looking Glass for like two years. They went under, uh, and like one day we went to work, the next day they were, hey, we're shutting the doors down. So from there I went to uh, Blue Fang which uh, I think I worked there for about two years, or just under two years, uh, on the Zoo Tycoon, the first Zoo Tycoon game, a couple uh, expansion packs. And then I got a phone call from my, the art director at Harmonix, Ryan Lesser, who I had worked with his uh, wife at Looking Glass, and he, we kind of knew each other a little bit, and he needed a guy that was into doing, I was like, I wanted to get into character animation. I was starting to do that at Looking Glass at the very end. I really wanted to work on uh, a console game because I'd been only working on PC games. And I grew up playing console games, so I was like pretty psyched to just like work on uh, a console game. It was like a PS, PS2 was, was the console that was out, and, uh, or the major console that was out. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the, some of the skills that you use or that your team uses. Um, we don't have to talk about programs particularly, but some of the skills that, are, that you think is, is good for young artists to develop if they have an interest um, in working in the games industry. When we hire someone who wants to be in character, working character, like character stuff, uh, we look for someone who is uh, good at uh, traditional drawing mm-hmm. and 3D modeling, like it is a, is a plus, but I think we really kind of focus on, we want people to actually be able to like draw, know their anatomy, uh, just have in general a good like, you know, sense of like illustration. Uh, and we've hired people that have actually no 3D 
experience prior to harmonics and have trained them up. But I think now we're getting to the point though where we need, we can't, we don't have that luxury as much and we have to actually have people that are pretty versatile and have like a solid drawing background and a uh, pretty solid 3D background. And I mean, you learn tons on the job, so it's like the 3D, it's like as long as you're competent, I think mm -hmm. it's, yeah, exactly. is, is more, is more uh, you can learn more on the job. And that's, I mean, that's how I, like, I did have a, a demo, like a pretty laughable demo reel of 3D mm -hmm. stuff back in 98. And like, but I think what also helped me get my foot in the door was that I actually had a pretty strong um, uh, traditional drawing background too. Cool. And it really helps you in 3D, like being able to, yeah. to just draw out your ideas before you model. Cool. Um, do you have any tips for aspiring uh, game developers, especially aspiring artists, whether they be technical artists or sort of people looking for concept work or any anything? I don't know. My, I, my only advice is, well, have kind of have a good uh, drawing background that's based on life and not, um, don't, don't hand out anything that's like, oh, I just drew Mario and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't, don't redraw all the, uh, like, game characters that are out there and submit that as your portfolio. It's kind of good. I, personally, I like seeing stuff that's, like, either out of your own head or uh, you have a traditional, you know, out of the world or th that you've actually got away from the game console and go out into the real world and <laughs> walk about and, and, and get your uh, inspiration from there. Uh, Do you recommend like figure figure studies? Yeah, definitely have. Uh, if you want to get into character stuff, definitely have a uh, very strong background in uh, character uh, or um, figure drawing and just know your anatomy because you, you need to know your anatomy if you want to abstract and make cartoons because you can tell really crappy, like someone who's not, like they'll draw a cartoon, but it's kind of a crappy cartoon because there's no an anatomy kind of holding it together. Like even, I don't know, look at a, you know, a Disney cartoon or a, or even a Ren, you know, Ren and Stimpy cartoon. It's like there's still anatomy backing up all those, uh, those characters. Uh, you know, have a demo reel that's, that's solid, uh, not too long. You don't want to bore the paint, like, people don't have all the time in the world to look through a demo reel so you want to keep it short and sweet um, same with your portfolio have like really good stuff in it but don't overdo it don't send like 50 pages and like only 10 of them are actually good probably having a blog is probably pretty good because if you're updating it at least like people know you're constantly actually drawing you actually like to draw and you you have a lot of creative ideas and you're constantly posting them and putting them out there um i mean it's kind of hard to to do that at times but i mean i guess if you have a job it's hard to do but if you don't have a job then <laughs> you better be updating it yeah. <laughs> what are you doing slacker with your non-employed time yeah. <laughs> um but i think that that can't hurt like the web's pretty awesome i mean what didn't it was barely there when i was peddling around my portfolio it was like it's like a great place to like put your work and uh, have it immediately seen. Cool, awesome. Well, Matt, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us.
Aren't you excited? It's the giggle bitches. I bet you thought our segment was taken away. <laughs> but it's not. We're still here. Dun, and we're, dun, dun. we're still bleeping out the giggle <laughs> So we're here to talk about um, the giggle year in review 2009 and discuss our, res- our, our reservations, our resolutions Ooh, going forward slick. in 2010. Yeah, so I have many reservations. Uh, about 2010, <laughs> mostly based on my uh, past year in 2009. Um, one resolution that I have, I recently just realized that I had when I untagged myself from a less than flattering photograph online. <laughs> um, and, and after doing that, caught some, caught some flack from some of my friends here at Harmonix. But I realized that my newest resolution is to look like less of a jerk online. (laughs) Just online, though. Um, That's funny because I feel like my pictures from 2009 don't give me due credit for how much of a jerk I really am. (laughs) So in 2010, I'm aiming to come across as jerky as possible. So so maybe for every photo that I untag myself in, I will take an unflattering photo of you and and put it on the internet. (laughs) You can Photoshop my unflattering face onto your body. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Let's do it. I'm I'm aiming for more photos that just simply cannot be put up online. All right. (laughs) I don't think such things exist, Thrasher. So, so Thrasher, what are some of your resolutions? I resolve to remember that the three of us have a space reserved in the practice space here at Harmonix and to actually show up to use it mm-hmm. um, and to eventually get a real drum set. I would say that maybe a resolution that we can make here as a group is to maybe... Um, Maybe have our intro recorded by us as as maybe the first Gitch's single. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think that um, we should make a resolution that we will play a show this year. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Like, even if it's, like, December, like, even if it's, like, New Year's Eve show... All right. It's still, you know, that's still I have had a bass for like two years now, and I never do anything with it, and I'm going to uh, try to get good at it. Um, to go in line with our group giggle of being a real band. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to try to um, go out less, which is kind of counterintuitive to my gout you resolution. Should, you should just say, like, spend less money. Okay, I am, try- I, am. I am going to try to spend less money, yeah. But also, be more creative. Um, like, for example, that's where my um, dog drawing pursuit came into play. Oh, which if you haven't seen them, folks, if you can uh, Facebook stalk the best stuff online and find her photos, you'll be able to see all the great It's also it's, They're also on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, they're... They're quite amazing. Pretty good, yeah. I mean, if I say so myself, I am really good at drawing dogs with the assistance of Crayola crayons and a, and a book entitled I Love to Draw Dogs. <laughs> I was especially a fan of the Irish setter. Yeah, I like the English bulldog myself. Yeah, that was the English one. bulldog is my favorite. Yeah, he. Sure. I made him really, really fat, and then he's saying, "I'm fast like a greyhound." <laughs> Thought it was pretty good. I'm happy about that. Not, not to put you on the spot, mm-hmm. but could we offer the best Steph drawings as a prize in the Thrasher Challenge at Pax East? Oh, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah. So more incentive. Not only will you win my smelly, disgusting T-shirt, you will win an original. I love to draw dogs drawing by the best stuff. In, in fact, um, in the comments section where this podcast is posted, if you guys want to give me ideas for the dogs doing things mm. or saying things, 
or looking a certain way, um, anything along, you know, dogs, basically. I will draw those up, and then those can be some of the uh, the, the dog prizes, dog drawing prizes. So, so guys out there in podcast land, and guys and gals, if you all have some New Year's resolutions that you would like to post under the comments section under the podcast, we would love to read them and hopefully laugh at them, as you guys are probably laughing at us or shaking your head confused we also have a handy dandy skype mailbox and i would love to hear some resolutions on the skype mailbox your voicemail will play it in an upcoming podcast if it's t for teen and also um you can ask questions of the giggles about our lovely musical project and our ambitions aspirations anything yeah. I, will, I will literally answer any question see you next time <laughs> Band fans and happy holidays. This is HMX Thrasher, um, and it's the new year, and we are here with Keith Smith Anarchy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and we are going to talk about um, Anarchy Club's new album, which is out now. All right, so let's get started. Keith, why don't you tell people about uh, the title of the album, uh, sort of the origins of the title, because it's very interesting, and then what um, sort of people who are Anarchy Club fans can expect. Yeah, um, um, well, the name of the song is Art of, the name of the album is Art of War, and the, I can out this now because we were kind of keeping it a secret for a while, mm -hmm. but our initial goal when we created our Anarchy Club was to put out three full-length albums, and each one was going to be themed after a classic piece of Chinese literature. And the first one was The Way in Its Power, which was the tr literal translation of the Tao Te Ching. And then the EP was A Single Drop of Red. That doesn't count as a full length. But this one, The Art of War, with each one we wanted to try and tackle a theme. And obviously Art of War, the whole album is about conflict and and um, just dealing with the monster inside yourself and, and the world around you and, and trying to come at it from an honest standpoint. And I think we did that not only lyrically and performance-wise, but also musically. Yeah, the lyrics are a lot more visceral on this one. They're a lot more in your face. It's um, There's not really much metaphor. It's like straight up, this is what I think. This is how I feel. Um, that was a hard, that was an interesting place to get to also. Because people, like one of, some other people have said, like, we like your music because it helps us forget about the world outside. But this album made us think about the world outside. And, I, and that was a strange place to come from from me as well. Yeah. How long did it take you to make this album? <laughs> um, it took us about two years and change because, it, again, we're just two guys. Everybody always yeah. thinks that it's kind of funny because the reality of it is, is we when you hear like the naysayers online, mm -hmm. they're always like, oh, you know, it's just a hobby for them. Or then there's the other side that are just kids that are like, they're taking so long to put out their records. Don't they know we care? And like the truth of the matter is, it's is Adam and I both have jobs that are like 40 to 60 hour a week jobs. And and other things that are going on in our lives. And, and when we're not doing stuff we have to do, we're doing Anarchy Club, because that's what our souls have mm -hmm. to do. And we're both ridiculous perfectionists. Like, we actually, literally, I called it, we death clocked it, but we actually wrote, a, like, three quarters of an album and then threw it away, because we wrote this record, and we were yeah. like, this isn't heading where we want to go, and we're it, this sounds like we're trying to do what we really want to do, so we just scrapped it all and started from scratch and went back to it. 
So yeah, it's kind of funny. And and get clean for mm-hmm. us was actually the catalyst for the beginning of that because we'd had our sound before that. Like yeah. with the first album, we were not that with an intention of like this is what we want to sound like. And the EP kind of extended that a little bit and like explored what happens if we let people do remixes and what have you. But um, when we did when we wrote get clean. That was like, oh, okay, we just progressed a level, mm-hmm. and now everything has to stand up to that or be better than that. And that was, yeah. we had to go back and start from scratch. And it's interesting because Get Clean, I don't think Get Clean is a, is representative of the album as a whole. Mm. It's more like a, a, it's like a very good transition track mm. from your first album, um, The Way in Its Power, to uh, The Art of War. Um, so I think fans will be, pleasantly surprised i'd almost say like listen even though you're not supposed to listen to the record out of order (laughs) and if you're like a really big fan of the older stuff listen to get clean first and like kind of like sink into the album and then listen to it in its entirety or if you're a really big fan of um a single drop of red i'd say listen to the last track on your album which is kind of like trippy and spoken word and that one was um here's a cool story about that this is like one of those like here's a secret between us and everybody who's listening to this and everyone who we're recording this for (laughs) but um (laughs) the symphonic part of that Mm -hmm. is actually an underlayer in Get Clean Uh the music and Adam and I pulled that out and Adam was like wow this could be a song on its own and we tried all these different things with it and it wasn't quite hitting Mm -hmm. and then I had this whole idea of I'd always wanted to make a beat out of um gun sounds and the sounds of war Mm -hmm. so we set that to it and then literally i just kept thinking about that and listening to it and i was in a dark place that day Mm -hmm. and i went on a rant and adam recorded it Hmm. and that was pretty much it like i mean it was notes yeah but i just kind of it's interesting when you look at when you look at um our my songbook if you would Mm -hmm. i'm i'm really kind of psyched that you can look at the pages and literally see that when the idea you'll see lots of scribbling and doodling up here because i'm trying to figure out what the idea Mm -hmm. is but then once it comes it's like a straight smooth stream and that just flew out of me and i was like psychically drained after it but adam fortunately got it on tape and 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 he was just like wow this totally makes an amazing end track we were thinking of having it be like an interlude or something but when it was all said and done we would just like you know like polish it up a little bit and throw it on at the end because it's kind of like a food for thought thing too after you've come through the whole record to end with that a lot of people were like we want a happy ending and it's like well life isn't always have happy endings and yeah i i like it i like it where it is and i i feel like even though it's really intense um in terms of what you're talking about it's musically it's a good kind of come down from the sort of like intensity of of the rest of of the album um let's talk about we were talking about influences before let's talk about influences some more um i want to ask you about one in particular (laughs) that's listed on your myspace page uh along with you know bands and and uh the fact you know like films and stuff all of a sudden you have females that kick ass Please explain. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, that was something that, well, the, you, if you want to take for the, the roots of it, it goes all the way back to that I, w- I was raised by my mom, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she was like this total badass working class Irish woman, Boston townie style. And um, and that was like the template in hindsight when I look back. that Like when I read comic books, I was always into like... Um, into um, like Red Sonia and all mm-hmm. that stuff like that. And Adam had a similar thing too, where his mother was a, 
an influence on him as a child. And uh, we basically, as we got older, and we noticed dating patterns and mm-hmm. friend patterns that the the, <laughs> the females we got along the best with were girls that like held no quarter and like and just were full tilt hardcore all the way through. And that was just like we that was just something that we always grooved on, and we kind of were inspired by that mm-hmm. sort of because it's the kind of thing that like. I think there's a certain badass is badass. And when a guy is badass, it's like this whole generic sort of thing. But when you meet a, a woman that's a true badass, there's, it's, there's a magic to that. And I think mm-hmm. that fem, femininity lends itself so much poetry to the world that is overlooked, not to go into another tangent. Mm-hmm. But I think when you see it manifested in certain ways, it's a very powerful thing. Like when you see a girl that can skate really well. Mm-hmm. She can be super aggro, but she's got this certain poetry to her movement that most guys that skate will never achieve, no matter how hard they try. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Or when you watch a when you watch someone dancing and you see a compare a guy mm-hmm. dancing to a girl dancing, even if they're just like half-ass thinking about it in the back of a club or something like that. Yeah. So that was where that came from. But yeah. So let's talk about um, what's next for Anarchy Club. And here's the fun thing: so in the studio, it's just you and Adam. Right. But when you go out and play gigs. You have more people. Right. Like it's almost like a harmonic sort of, not hazing, but maybe like a rite of passage <laughs> that you play with Anarchy Club at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like we heard from Bryn last week, so Bryn's gonna play some shows with you. But right. who uh, who else is part of the uh, Anarchy Club on tour? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, who's part of the Anarchy Club? Yeah, exactly. Who's in the Anarchy Club? Who's a yeah. card carrying member? Um, <laughs> yeah, Bryn's jumping on. We're psyched about that. But Caleb, Caleb Wheeler plays with us he's he's also in aqua for qa dan chase from giant target is also in the anarchy club now he's not playing he doesn't play bass in anarchy no he club, plays though. rhythm guitar okay here's the funny thing with in the studio and i give adam crap about this all the time that um he is one of the most amazing guitar players i've ever known in my entire life and and his deal when we started the band was you know he'll play anything we, we write everything together we do everything together he'll play leads and he'll do all that, but when we play live, he wants to play bass. Because he just puts so much of himself into this, mm-hmm. that when it comes time for the shows, he wants to sit back and be able to enjoy it. And just, he really loves playing bass, and he's a he's a funky mofo, so we mm-hmm. give him that. But it, it, but um, it, it, it's always funny to me, because I feel bad for all the guitarists who have to come in, because it's like, oh, can you play this totally crushing lead? Well, why don't you just get the guy that can play that lead to play that? Oh, he doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, a, he's got other things. Yeah, he's got other stuff in his he's mind. He, he's going to sit back and be funky and play bass. But, um, yeah, so, and, and fortunately, we, we've had the good graces to have people that come in. I also want to mention, too, Izzy was, Izzy was in our band from Death of the Cool mm-hmm. and from Count Zero. He comes back every now and then to do stuff with us. But what we, what we try to do is build a stable of people. So the, and everybody's in their own bands, but yeah. we try to build. Ultimately, we want to have like a stable so that it never steps on anybody's schedules. Right now, right now, it looks like pretty solid. Like we've got it's it's Adam, myself, um, Dan, Chase, Bryn, and Caleb, and I'm really looking forward. We plan on actually um, playing out a lot this year. Yay! So, so one final question to close: mm-hmm. What are Anarchy Club's New Year's resolutions? Because it's <laughs> It's the New Year show. <laughs> oh man, I've never even thought about that. Um, to turn it up to twelve because eleven isn't loud enough. Do you have any? Do you have any personal ones you want to share? Um, no. To be honest, I think it's really funny. I'm in a really happy place. 
Yeah. Life is pretty awesome for me. I'm very, yeah, I mean. Which means listening to your record, shocking. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is not the Keith I know. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I've, I, I've heard that from a few people, especially in harmonics, who are like, you're so happy-go-lucky. This record's really dark. Yeah. It's catharsis. Yes, definitely. I think I think point. it gets it gets the demons out. Yeah, it's you know? meditative catharsis. Yes, that's exactly. You know, important. that's really what it is too. Because it, it totally, I think that you know what I think. Uh, if if there were a subtext to the album, I would say that that would be it. Is that like you don't hold that stuff in because it will eat you alive like cancer. Like you have to be able to just like own who you are, mm-hmm. look in the mirror and see who you are, for better or for worse, and accept it and change what you can. You know, and then realize there's some things you can't change, and you just have to like learn to like persevere in spite of that. And work around it. Yep. You know. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. In the new year, everyone, just be freaking comfortable with yourself. harmonics community team and sean's back yeah i'm back this is my first uh, podcast back in a long time all right so uh we have three singles uh two by an up-and-coming band that i enjoy quite a bit uh phoenix Yeah, we have uh, 1901 and Listomania. Ah. <laughs> There's yeah. a silent Z in there as well. Yeah, I don't know if you've actually seen the movie Listomania. I have not. It is, that's a real thing. Wow, uh, you should movie? check it out. It is a movie, it's a musical oh. um, about as if List were the first rock star, the composer. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, so that's what they're referencing. Uh, after that, their other single is Silver Tide with Blue Jeans. Oh! oh. Forever in Blue Jeans. <laughs> that's, that's not that song. That's, that's not that song. Different song, different oh. song. Uh, in addition, we also have a Tom Petty six-pack. Uh, these are live tracks. Um, we have A Woman in Love, Breakdown, Century City, Jammin' Me, Night Watchman and The Waiting. So that's for all you Tom Tom Petty Petty fans out there. And if you're not a Tom Petty fan, get with the program. Um, That brings the number of tracks that we have from Tom Petty's uh, The Live Anthology, which was released this fall, to 12. A whopping 12. Imagine if Dave Grohl played drums on all of the songs from Tom Petty. Didn't he? I thought he just you know what? Let's let's just say he did. Let's just say he did. I would love if Dave Grohl was a heartbreaker. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just literally a heartbreaker. He just part-times in the heartbreakers. Yeah. I love that <laughs> idea. That'd be tremendous. I think that'd be, he started with them when he was three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Grohl, boy wonder. Yep, boy wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Kat are really excited about the Phoenix tracks. Um, yes, we are. Yeah, we got to see Phoenix... Uh, in New York this fall. It was at the Lifebeat event uh, before the the VMAs in New York. Yes, and they put on a great show. They really Super did. Cool. Their yeah. drummer was amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about them until, and I don't think anybody really did for the most part in this country until their SNL appearance. Mm. Yeah, that's what um, I first saw. And I was like, normally I just sort of, I don't really give, I don't care um, at all. But I was like, ah, oh, let's try out this band. They're from France. That sounds funny. 
Um, and they played, <laughs> and it was incredible. Like, yeah. it, like they really blew my mind. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah super high energy. Aaron, what's your favorite track out of all those Tom Petty ones? Um, I like, first of all, I like that it's a decent split of, like, big Tom Petty songs, like Breakdown and The Waiting. Mm-hmm. Like, those are, those are classics. Those are heartbreaker standbys. Um, I, think that, uh, I think that my favorite track of the bunch is probably Jamming Me. I'm not going to lie. I think it's... I think it's got a really good chorus because you really feel like Tom Petty does not want you to be jamming him right there. <laughs> like, no. you, could, you could feel it. Is it, like, what ex- jamming him up? Yeah, like, what exactly does that mean? Like, I picture, like, two guys, one try to talk to a girl, and maybe the well, other one Well, right now, you guys way. are jamming me. By, like, <laughs> oh, by like harshing on this song, you guys are jamming me right now. Um, I had something unclear. completely different so in is my it like, head. So is it, like, bumming you out? Yeah, sure. See, I Getting would think all up it would in your like grill, interrupting yeah. you, yeah. something like that. No, wait, well, no, I mean, no, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm being confronted now. Oh, like, like jamming his you radar. Are, guys are jamming me right now. <laughs> right, right, You're right. jamming me right up. Would you consider us all up in your aerials? Yes, okay. I would. Okay. Though I would never say that under any normal <laughs> circumstance, I would say that right now because you are jamming me. <laughs> How does the chorus go? Quit jamming me. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like, that's literally the chorus. It's really uh, good, though. It's an awesome I, song. I thought you were just telling Pope not to jam you anymore. No. I didn't realize. Well, huh. no. I'll stop jamming you as no. well. You can always, you don't ever have to stop jamming me, Pope. Whoa. 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 Hey. Hey, Sean. How are you? Welcome back. <laughs> you guys are up in my aerials. <laughs> just jamming me. Um, I, I'm going to be honest here. I don't know anything about the Silver Tide track. I have not gotten a chance to play it yet. I'm I'm gonna lay all my cards out on the table I also right don't, now. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call. I'm gonna make a call to the podcast community that someone should call into our Skype and tell us about this song since we clearly are inept and know that nothing is a about really it. Really good idea. I That's think it's good. a good song. Yeah. I like it. Oh, Stephanie does know a, about it. It's a really good addition to the rock band library. Yeah. What yep. do they sound like? <laughs> no, don't t- call into Skype. <laughs> they sound like yeah, don't tell us right now. Call into Skype. <laughs> I'll guys, play it later. Quit, all right, seriously, quit jamming <laughs> me right now. <laughs> I was just jamming you right there. You called me on it. Sean, how do people call into Skype? Uh, or HMX.mailbox yeah. is our Skype name. All right. So ha- call, you type that in and then you, in your Skype then you Skype application us. and you Skype, Skype us. World. As long as you're not being jammed. Yeah, yeah. Don't, jam, don't, 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 don't jam it. We'll have instructions somewhere, I What if I want to be jamming with you? <laughs> that's, that's different. That's like, a different that's, song, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a different tone of jamming, right. yeah. I think. I'm going to go yeah. listen to the jam. Uh, <laughs> Silver Tide Blue Jeans. Yes. Silver Tide at Night. Silver Sailor's Delight. Silver Surfer's Delight? Silver Surfer's Delight. Silver Surfer's Delight. That should be the name of the episode. Silver Surfer's Delight. Yep, done. It may come off as like slightly unprofessional and dare I say ill-informed that we don't even know what a song coming out in our game sounds like. Mm-hmm. But personally, I think it's a testament to the variety of songs that we have. And yeah. volume. And yeah. volume where we can put out so much stuff that even like a group of, say, five 15. fairly knowledgeable people uh, from the HMX community team that we could put out a song that we don't know by a band that we're maybe not tuned into yet. That yeah. is very true. By the way, this puts us up to almost 400 artists and about 1,050 songs in rock bands Woo! this week. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know all those bands or all those songs. Right. So this, this was fun, guys. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good, Good job. Round yeah. Team. Yeah. Wrap it yeah. up. We're going to wrap it up now. Jam it so, in. Uh, we're going to jam, jam it up. 
Sean's jamming me. <laughs> Don't forget to Skype, and uh, maybe maybe you'll get a chance to hear your own voice on the community podcast. Yeah, we'll jam you in there. We'll jam it up. HMX.mailbox. Let's give it a try. Well, speaking of that, um, actually for Rock Band 2, we got Where'd You Go? And you guys had to re-record that for the game, right? Yeah, and with a, with a little additional uh, guitar challenge at the end. <laughs> Which yeah. is great. Um, I've heard it stops like? a few people. No <laughs> yeah, one over 10, but... I, so, I, I was a tester. Actually, only people over 10. <laughs> yeah, I was a tester on that game, and, and I remember getting to the end. Just like I would fail out every time. Nice. I that was it. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really find it that hard. To I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should see what it's like to actually play it. Yeah. 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 I actually found it hard. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like going back into the studio to record something that you recorded like 15 years ago? I guess there's a balance of trying to stay true to the original, but you've, you know, you've gained this much more experience since then. It, you know, it's, it's a fresh take on a, uh, you know, a, 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 an older tune. It's it's I mean it's it's, it's refreshing. Yeah, it sounded Good. cool to me because it was harder and chunkier. And I kind of like. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a little more driving too. It was really good. I mean, as the band, you know, as the band um, changes, the sound changes too. So so you know, this, when we play the songs live, they don't sound exactly like the record. Not everything evolves. Basically. Yeah, and, totally. and it, it's a, a forward evolution. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Harmonist Community Podcast, everybody. Uh, keep in mind that we do have a Skype mailbox if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail. It's hmx.mailbox on Skype. Uh, call in and leave us a comment, and we'll play it in the podcast next time. Thanks, and have a good one. So